I wrote my first software program in the fourth grade. I met some really bad people. Your life story is so fascinating. Those Wall Street guys got a lot of shiny things. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Dre and Smiley, the Inner Circle Podcast. All right, Smiley, we had a, a great guest on with us here. I'll read a quick bio, then we'll jump right into it. Lisa Bischoff, the brilliant mind behind Fit to Exist, is an electrical engineer graduate from Colorado Springs. Lisa's extraordinary journey transcended the technical realm, leading her through challenges to an unexpected destination, ministry. Lisa's unique story from engineering to inspiration as a beacon of personal growth and resilience. With a passion for helping others face fears, anxiety, and rejection, she found it fit to exist. An innovative company dedicated to breaking barriers and guiding individuals toward fulfilling lives. An avid enthusiast of recreational activities, Lisa doesn't just embrace life, she empowers others to do the same. Through her inspiring journey of transformation and personal development, Lisa ignites a spark of possibility for those seeking a path beyond the expected. Join us as we delve into Lisa's transformative tale where engineering expertise meets the soulful call of ministry and discover the power of fit to exist and breaking down barriers and fostering a life of fulfillment. With that, Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's start where I, I, I think the natural beginning is. Talk to us about your transform transition from electrical engineering to ministry. It's kind of an uncommon path. I think it's safe to say. Tell me a little bit about that. So my transformation actually kind of it dates back before my engineering. So I'll give you the quick run through. Please do. Um, I wrote my first software program in the fourth grade, and wow. by the age of 14, I was learning how to hack phone lines and starting college. This was not super common back in 1994. So I was doing, no. I was still finishing high school, I was starting high school and starting college at the same time. Um, I would go on to start pursuing my electrical engineering degree, and um, that I would say I got it. I didn't earn it. So I actually cheated my way through engineering college. Okay. Um, that's a whole, whole long story. I ended up getting okay. a master key and I would steal my tests ahead of time because I didn't want to fail. I mean, I always, I made a vow early in my life. This was after the fourth grade, somewhere around that time that I would okay. do whatever it takes to be successful. Uh, and so, anyway, so I made it through electrical engineering, um, ended up uh, meeting uh, my best friend at, after, after that. And she was amazing. She was a model. She was everything I'd ever like dreamed of. She had the life. And so I wanted that life too. I'm like, I'm making good money. You know, I'm successful. This is great. I met some really bad people. So Ooh. after this time, I started meeting con artists, criminals, mafia figures, and Whoa. started to engage. And you know, the, the saying, you become the sum of your five closest friends, right? Yes, you hang out with five yes. smokers, you might become the sixth, hang out with five criminals, right. might become the sixth. Well, okay. I had some crazy stuff happen um, throughout that. I started living a very extravagant lifestyle that I couldn't afford. Um, and I was making by 2007, I, I was making six figures and, um, but I had motorcycles, I had expensive cars, loved it and trips that I love to go on by 2007, I was over a million dollars in debt, but I was working professionally as an engineer. I decided to hack a database 
And um, I had a plan to try to access $100,000 in somebody else's credit, a roommate of mine that had kind of led me through these things. He kind of gave me all these ideas. And I was like, okay, it won't hurt him because the credit card companies will reimburse him. So nobody really gets hurt. And that was the rational lie that I told myself. Um, I ended up trying to buy a Porsche as I deviated on a business trip in 2007 in Arizona, tried to buy a $92,000 Porsche with somebody else's identity and got caught. When I got caught, I had my backpack, my backpack that I had with me. Um, it had my computers and hard drives, which had the database of Colorado Springs on it. So I got charged in Arizona. My parents bailed me out, brought me back within a couple of days. I get arrested. I get, well, I get charged here. Um, they brought me in for questioning and then arrest, basically arrested me um, for that. So in 2007, I end up losing my job as an engineer. I lose all my security clearances and the ability to work. Um, in the industry. I couldn't even volunteer um, after that because it was theft of information and theft and identity theft. Everywhere there's theft, nobody wants a thief around them. So even trying to do my community service um, was hard. So 2007, I ended up spending 30 days in jail in Arizona because I actually never took possession of the car. And then in Colorado, I didn't actually steal anybody's identity. It was all intent. It was what I could have done. So I ended up with probation and community service. Again, community service, that was really hard to do. So I used one of my connections and ended up paying off my community service and didn't actually do it. But um, So all of that to say, I'm not employable after 2007. I can't volunteer. What am I supposed to do? My parents were like, well, what can you do? And I was like, well, I could start working out, maybe get in shape, go back to playing tennis. At that time, I started going by Lisa again. So the first six years of my life, I went by Lisa. And then in kindergarten, there was too many Lisas, or maybe it was five years too many Lisa's got to go by your legal given name, which mine's Elizabeth. So basically from five days of five or six until 27, I went by Elizabeth 2007. I decided to kind of rebrand myself as Lisa. Cause I'm like, okay, I'll start playing tennis. Maybe people won't correlate. Cause I was all over the news in 2007. So I was like, maybe I can kind of restart over, start playing tennis. Think that's a good fit. Well, in tennis, there's a lot, there's money all over. I started hanging out with people making $40 million a year and loving that lifestyle. I was like, I want to do all the things they're doing, but I don't have a job and I'm not making that money. I'll figure it out. So I slowly start racking up debt on credit cards in my parents' name. So yeah. So come 2015, I racked up $80,000 in credit card debt in my parents' name and had to pull in one of my friends. To, I couldn't make the payments. So I had to, I pulled in one of my friends and they helped me break the news. My parents were just devastated. Like how, and of course, how could I do this? This is like, you gave me a second chance and I blew it. At the same time, within it, well, with after a year after that, um, I had been volunteering at the church. So 2012, I was able to start volunteering in children's ministry and I just loved it. Um, and so uh, 2015, I actually got hired on staff and they knew my background and they said, you know, we're going to give you a chance. This is great. Now, this is a little bit after the incident with my parents, but that was kind of my parents fixed it. It was, you know, kind of don't do it again. Well, so now I'm in ministry, serving the Lord, loving what I'm doing, but then... I'm still hanging out with my other friends. I still crave this other lifestyle of shiny things. That is my downfall. It's not drugs and alcohol. It is shiny, shiny things. And they're all over. By 2019, I am $100,000 in debt in my parents' name because I didn't lock their credit down. And again, so this time I can't let them find out because they're going to just, that's it, man. They're going to throw me out because I do. I live with my parents. That, that's it. If not have a heart attack. Well, yeah, yeah. The stress. Oh, the things. Yeah, that's a whole other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So 
I had worked for a client and one of my clients, um, probably, oh, I don't even know, five or eight years before 2019. So somewhere 2011, 2012, um, when I started working for them, they we were on a hike uh, and they said, you know, yeah, there's, you know, there's nothing in the house. Well, there is my jewelry. It's $200,000 worth. And, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. And I'm like thinking, no, it's fine. I'm on a good path. Like I'm, in, I'm doing good in life. Like that's not even a temptation. Oh, but it sat there. It sat there for years. And in 2019, I decided, you know what? I'm, it won't hurt them. The insurance will cover it. It's that whole rational lie. They won't know it's me. I'm going to do this so I can fix this problem with my parents and then it'll all go away. Oh boy. So 2019, I still, and it turns out it wasn't $200,000 worth of diamonds and jewelry. It was $600,000 worth of diamonds and jewelry. Yeah. And um, they had questioned me, but they said, no, Lisa wouldn't do that. You know, Lisa's a great person. And oh my gosh, that, that, that slowly will eat at you. Cause it's like, no, you know, so four months went by, that was May of 2019. Um, September, I get called by the detective to come in for questioning because they're like, oh, we want to ask you some more questions. And I'm not thinking they think it's me. In the meantime, I have been fencing the jewelry. I had been very careful. I had cut the diamonds out. Um, if I could carefully do it, or I would take it to another jeweler and say, I think I'm going to reset these stones. Can you cut them out? And then I'll figure out what I'm going to do. That way I could also check inside the diamonds because some of them had laser etching that were traceable. So I knew not to use those. Well, in August, I got sloppy. And I ended up taking an entire bracelet. I guess it was like a $40,000 one-of-a-kind bracelet I took to the jeweler. And when they were researching it, they bought it from me. And after, as they researched it, they found it flagged that that was stolen and it was one-of-a-kind. So anyway, September, I get called in. Uh, they say somebody might have, the detective says, I think somebody stole your identity because, you know, they've been using it to fence. And I said, no, that was me. I still thankfully had 400 out of the $600,000 in diamonds and jewelry. So I gave that back. The other 200,000 couldn't be recovered. So at this time though, I'm facing a 12 year prison sentence because it's my third strike because 2007 was Arizona and Colorado and this is it. And it's usually mandatory um, sentencing for prison. So at this point I'm at a pretty low point of, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe I can use my connections and hire someone to take me out. My family will get the insurance money. Like I had a plan going until I shared it with somebody. Now, a couple some good things that came out of all this. I immediately stepped down. The church never got hurt, which I was very thankful. They never got brought into the news because they had nothing. That was like a separate life. It was like a separate life. And but I loved ministry, but I was just so torn. And I, I, I craved that other lifestyle more. And uh, so I remember the pastors had said to me, uh, the lead pastors of the church, they said, you know, um, your portal, um, your pain is a portal for his power. And okay, that resonated with me after I met with them. And then the next thing they had said to me that's just really stuck with me is what the enemy meant for use your destruction, God is going to use to elevate you. And that's, I'm seeing it every day. So after that, my another friend of mine referred me to a ministry to get some inner healing because I've been through psychotherapists, I've been through clinical psychologists, and everybody's like, "You're great, you're fine, you don't need any help." And it's like, "Oh my gosh, do I need help?" Like, <laughs> like I can somebody I, help I, me. Yeah, it was almost like I was either faking it or I don't know what was happening in those prior years with all the therapy sessions. But I always seemed like I was on a good path. Uh, so uh, December 2017, we kind of rushed everything because I just wanted to find out what my fate was. I'm like, I'm tired of waiting. I don't want to push it out. And um, gosh, I have some amazing friends and people in my life. I had uh, 13 people writing letters to the judge, um, all the way from detectives to other judges to prominent people. I have a wide range of friends, so I'm very thankful for them. And then 17 people showed up on my behalf in the courtroom. 
And the judge, he was so gracious. He um, he says, you know, this is one of the biggest cases I've had to put a judgment on, $600,000. But he goes, you're not a, you're, he, the words he said to me was, I think you're not an evil person. You just did a bad thing. And it's not the first time you've done a bad thing. Um, but I don't believe a harsh punishment is going to help you. Like you have all this support. He goes, but I have to give you something. So I'm going to give you 30 days in jail or 30 days work release. Um, you can choose. Yeah. So I'm looking at 12 years in prison. And then, um, yeah, I didn't know what the restitution would be at that time. It could be two to 300,000 because of what couldn't be accounted for plus damages. Um, so I reported after the holidays. It was December 17th. He goes, you can report after the holidays. So I reported January 6th. Very nice judge. I report on January 6th. And um, right when I report, they're so nice to me. And they're like, oh, your sentence has been reduced to two weeks. And, and I ended up doing the jail time because I didn't want my family to drive me back and forth for work release. I was like, that's no more burden on anybody. Um, so yeah, two weeks. And in those two weeks, I mean, there was miracles happening. I was like, I got to do ministry in jail. And now I'm very specific with God. I'm like, you know what? If I, I want to do prison and jail ministry, but I don't actually want to be in there. I would like to be able to <laughs> come and go as I please. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. that had started. I had started at, at that ministry before that. And then um and we started renewing my mind, going through that and some inner healing. And so I got to do a little bit of that while I was in the jail. After I got out of jail, I continued with that ministry and I went through uh, more renewing of my mind, inner healing and some deliverance. Mm. And so fast forward, um, I ended up getting to volunteer with that ministry and um, just fell in love with it and seeing people get healing. I ended up getting put on staff with that ministry um, and got to counsel people, which was like another level mm. of healing and getting mm. to see things happen was amazing. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, in February of this year, um, there were some things happening that really were disappointing for me at that ministry. And I mm. felt like God released me. Um, mm. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got to start writing my book, um, professionally speaking, and start my own company. And so that's what I do now. And I get to actually, another cool thing that came out is I get to go into the detention centers and work with the youth uh, twice yeah. a week yeah. and do ministry with them. So. so Lisa, I feel like I walked into a theater with my box of popcorn settled back to watch what I think is going to be a fairly decent movie. And the first scene has me at the edge of my seat, my mind blown with like a million questions. Like what just happened? <laughs> Your life story is so fascinating. So here are some of the things that, that, that uh, and I want to hear about your ministry, but here's some things that come to the forefront of my mind as I hear your story. You're clearly brilliant. You um, are more than resourceful, um, resilient. Um, you do have a heart. It's clear you have a, you have a huge heart. Um, and the brilliance in terms of writing your first program in the fourth grade, hacking into phone lines um, shortly thereafter, you know, it's just, I mean, you have to wonder, you know, people are, you know, who, who they are and they evolve like you have um, for a number of different reasons. If you were to think back, right, those early um, paths that you took, your attraction to the sparkly, beautiful things, nature, nurture, yeah, so it's um, and it's come out in like probably the last four or five months through counseling um, that there was I lacked the nurture. Like my parents are amazing people; they're still married. 
Um, they always gave me everything I wanted, but it's almost like everything was transactional. And that's mm. how I've always treated people. And so, um, I mean, I haven't really dated in like 13 years. Like it's, it's one of those, it's, I don't, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure mm. how I'm getting better at friendships. Um, but I do have that void. And so that void of, I guess it would be the nurture. Um, mm. It's trying to figure that out. And I believe a lot of the things I did were trying to feel something and, mm. and that, you know, for me, it was exciting when I was doing certain things. It was stressful and exciting at the same time. So. One thing you said is you were thinking about ending it. I thought you were going to say I was going to try and go to Switzerland or Belize where they don't extradite to the U.S. You're like, no, let me just take myself out so that they can get the insurance money and then I'll just be somewhere else. I was like, so you don't have a book. You have a movie with a sequel. For sure. <laughs> so For sure. That, that is so amazing. But tell me this from, from our listeners' perspective, if you could just define your role or what electrical engineer is it? Do you wire up houses as an electrical engineer? Do you do circuit boards for computers? And then after you define that, with your talent from writing software, reading code, and looking at databases, have you ever thought about applying that to Wall Street, where you get the shiny things and they just look at algorithms? Because to be scientific in the mind and look at software, that means you see logic, which means you understand numbers and you understand code. So I would think with your skill set in Wall Street or these financial services, you would have just blown up and had seven figures immediately. And what is electrical engineering? Are you Were you wiring houses or are you doing circuit boards for radios? No, so uh, for electrical engineering, I actually had specialized in college in feedback control systems, so doing robotics and coding and doing all that. Um, and it's funny because I've, I've volunteered on mission trips and traveled around the world, and there, there's one called Engineering Ministries International, and they're like, oh, yeah, we got the electrical engineers. They can wire up the house. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we almost had a house on fire because we're not electricians. We're putting these giant breakers on, and like the, si the wire is undersized. And I was like, it'll protect it. Just stick a penny in there. Oh, my gosh. Like, we're so lucky that ministry did not burn down. I think that was in 100% that we did that. Wow. So, so you're, you were wiring databases or when you say electrical engineer. Yeah, that's I, what you're I did a lot of telecommunications. And so I can wire, wire up um, cell phone stuff. And I would actually hook it. A lot of the stuff I did was with utilities and the, the wireless meter reading that people have in their houses now. We were, we were rolling that out at the very beginning on commercial sites. And so I could interpret and then I could also look at the data packets and see what kind of data was being transmitted if there was errors. And so I could do that and write code for the firmware updates. Oh, that's awesome. And then I guess from the software perspective and looking at numbers and financials, have you ever considered Wall Street or like, you know what? I'm, I, I was watching Billions and Billions on TV and they got all those smart dudes or ladies like Taylor and they just see numbers. They see patterns of data. And that's the way I see Lisa software would crush that. developers. If you took that path, that's Lisa, you would thinking, crush like, it. And those Wall Street guys got a lot of shiny things. Yeah. <laughs> so I can say there's pros and cons to all that, right? So after 2007, actually part of my probation sentencing was I wasn't allowed to use computers or smartphones for two years. And that was horrible Whoa. for me. I'd use like a flip phone. And if I wanted to do something, my parents were, I would sit there and monitor me. I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> after that, though... Oh. I had some friends and I started to learn about options trading and how you could write the software to start doing your picks. And that was not a good um, 
it was not a good fit for me because it almost turned into, it turned into gambling. Like, I think I picked up a, a roulette habit too. I was like, I'm going to go play at the tables. Like, yeah. So I have to be, I'm very mindful of what avenues because I worry too. Like, what if, what if I did write code to embezzle? Like there's, I have to be very careful where I let my mind, because I even got into, um, this is a side note, uh, magic as a magician, which was really cool. Because I'm like, cool, I can do magic tricks and, you know, object lessons and teach the kids. Oh, no, that turned into, oh, I learned a lot about deception and sleight of hand. And look, I can do it. Interesting. Interesting. So that leads us into uh, fit to exist. Tell us about that. Okay. Well, I created Fit to Exist like in 2010, uh, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. I also created Fit to Exist Fitness. So I was training people back in 2010. I had a studio, I leased space and I loved it. My biggest problem was I had a hard time charging people because um, I wanted Ooh. to just help everybody get in shape. I'm like, oh, you can't uh, afford it. But... That's the heart I was talking about. The big heart. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I'm learning now when people pay, they pay attention. So they have to yes. invest in themselves and it's for them too that they're doing that investment. So Fit to exist. Now, uh, what it has morphed into is I love I loved the ministry and the counseling. So one of my goals is to walk people through renewing their mind, uh, inner healing, and deliverance. But part of that, another piece that I found was, gosh, I was in 2019. Um, if you ever find my mugshot, um, I'm 225 pounds and I'm heavy, like physically, emotionally. I don't look the same at all. And so with that, I, I went through a total transformation after I got my inner healing my physical appearance started to change. I started to feel and value myself um, and realize I was good enough. I got rid of all those limiting beliefs. And so I work with clients that fit to exist. And the goal is I want to help you complete. They're like, you're like a one-stop shop. That's what one of my clients told me the other day. And I was like, yeah, I meet her. We do, you know, we'll do some inner healing and then we'll go do a gym session or vice versa. And uh, we're doing life coaching, spiritual coaching and wellness coaching. And um, I already see the transformation and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see on people. I always tell people, take a before and after picture because your countenance changes. Tell me, how did you address the the mental challenge of whenever you – I have some friends who were very large, say 280, and they dropped down to 190. Or they were 250, and they got to be maybe 145 as ladies. But they said a lot of times, even though they physically reduce themselves in size, when they look in the mirror, they think of themselves as that bigger person. Or how do you address that psychological? Because everyone who, if someone just met you now, like we just did, we would have never thought that you were 220 or 225. But when people see you now, but in your mind, you're like, well, no, this is who I was back then. People see me as I am now, but does there, how long does it take for your mind to catch up with your body and that self-image? perception i would say honestly it's taken um and i've really gotten there in the last six months um and a lot of that is because i'm on video and on stage more speaking and i see myself differently and um but for a long time i saw myself actually as the little a little fifth grade girl a little fat fifth grade girl that is the image i would see all the time and a lot and but so as i've been through it more confirmation so you know you have your neural pathways in your brain right if you've got negative neural pathways built anytime i mean it's easy for you to revert back i mean yeah you lose all the weight and physically you're there but you still think of yourself because you're still you still have the the mindset right the negative mindset and so as I've been going through more and more and saying, I am good enough. I am, you know, I am beautiful. God made me beautiful. Like for me, that's owning that and knowing that has made the big difference. But it did. I mean, it didn't. It does take time. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. Like one day I woke up and yeah. 
Yeah. So, Lisa, one thing that, that, that comes to mind here, I, I could definitely you, see you being successful with those that come to fit to exist because of your background, right? You can probably speak to most people's experiences. You know, I can, I can, I, I, I can hear you saying, I can relate to that experience. I can relate to that experience. Oh, I can relate to that too. And then through your own history, you can kind of share with them, hey, here's how I overcame this. Here, So perfect coach because of your background. One question though, something that stands out is your energy is so, you're very vibrant, you're very positive, happy, um, you know, exciting. Um, some people may change jobs and go into a depression. Some people may get fired from a job and, you know, feel like, you know, feel worthless. How is it you're able to be this beacon, you know, of light and happiness and positivity, considering all that you've, all the challenges that you've faced? Where, where does the, you know, how are you able to, you know, keep your compass heading north in spite of it all? It was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was challenging, right? Since I would say I lived like very much on a pedestal. I kept myself on a pedestal until 2007. And when I got in trouble, it was all over the news. I was so embarrassed. It was like I fell and my life changed. I mean, that was a huge pivotal point for me uh, in terms of, yeah, I felt it a couple times. And then in 2019, I felt it again because it was like, I did it again. Nobody's going to give me another chance. Um, but what has changed is the the people I surround myself with is they never gave up on me. And that was huge. I mean, I still have people that have me work for them and do um, even the, 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 the person, the people that were involved in my big 2019 deal. I got to work for them again. Like I got to walk through a forgiveness and actually talk. Um, to them again. And that was huge. That also helped me see, I'm not this horrible person. Um, you know, that uh, I made some, I made some mistakes some very big mistakes, but that's not who I am. Another thing that has really helped me was a long time. My story owned me to where I didn't want to go play tennis because people would point, people would say, I've had church pews move. I sit down and they'll move. And it's like, wow, you know, that's pretty hurtful. But people my one friend says people live in glass houses. And so I just, I'm at a place now where I'm like, you know what? They don't understand it. And that's okay. They're, they can judge and that's, that's on them. Um, yeah. And so getting to that point of, you know what? I, now I own my story and that's how I can share it because for a long time I wouldn't share my story. If you said you Googled me, I was wanting to vomit on you because that was like the worst thing they hear is, Oh, I Googled you. You know, now I'm like, oh, okay, which story did you read? Because there's some interesting ones out there, you know? So Lisa, I'll also share that, you know, I definitely feel um, inspired and motivated for two reasons. One is, like you touched on earlier, when someone says, I just Googled you, for me, that's, a, that's the worst feeling. I mean, I, and, and I don't even have anything remotely close to what you've been through. But I just, you know, so I can, I can, I can appreciate how at one point you felt like, ugh. The other inspiring thing is you're at a point right now where it's clear to me, it's clear to anyone listening to this podcast episode, it's clear to anyone watching this episode on YouTube that you have transformed into this place where you're really comfortable with who you are today in spite of what has taken place in the past. Is that, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. 
I love that. I love that. So that's awesome. I, I feel uplifted by just your, your story. I was I was sitting here at the street like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, here, so here's here's a question for you, Lisa. So I, I used to DJ, right? So this is this is you know a distant comparison to kind of what, what you. Go. I used to DJ. One of the downsides, and I don't do it anymore. One of the downsides, though, is because of the experience. You know, when I listen to music, I you know listen differently than most people. You know, I'm always thinking, you know, how, how could it be improved and you know, sometimes I still pull out my turntables, things like that. It's always that draw to it, right? So for you, you have your ministry now. You're fully submerged into it. It's clear to me that you're fully submerged into it. Do you ever get that sense of getting pulled back into the electrical engineering and the coding? Do you, and, and if so, how do you combat that, you know? So the, the only thing that's been a draw recently for me is in terms of that, um, and it's and it wasn't a bad thing by any means. Was I'm trying to I want to develop an app for my clients to be able to track the healing process and their workouts. Kind of like I use one with my coach, and I'm like, cool, but I want to add the inner healing and stuff in there. And so I looked at wanting to do the coding, and I said, you know, what? I'm going to stay in my lane right now, and my lane is the ministry stuff. Um, the other cool thing is. I have, like I said, I have a great support system and I have, um, there's a gentleman, I think his name's Chris Wilson that wrote a book. He was in prison. He has what's called a personal board of directors. And so those are your five top people that speak into your life that you have intentional relationships with. And um, that is one of my, my, that's my heart. And that's what I work on to keep me accountable. I have so many, it's almost like if I want to go actually on a date, everybody's like, we need to vet the person. And I'm like, that's fair. Cause I may not make the best decision. And so I really appreciate having all that support and it makes the difference. Makes sense. So for those that are interested in having you as their coach, those that are interested in your ministry, those listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, give us some information. How can they reach you? How can they connect with you? So I'm still doing rewrites on my book. I was just in a collaborative book called Your Deck of Success. I'm the last chapter, chapter 52, The Deuce of Diamonds. Um, my book hopefully will be out early next year in 2024. But if you'd like to connect with me, um, I do have a uh, public profile uh, on Facebook under Lisa Bischoff. Or you can go to my website for Fit to Exist. And it's F-I-T, the number two, X-I-S-T, dot com and under contact there's my contact information you can email me or give me a call there i'm also launching lisabischoff.com but it's still in the works with all the video and stuff excellent and we'll link to that um to that website and everything else when we launch the podcast so as we transition to the final four we have one transition question for you here you've shared a lot you seem to be an open book which is again it's so inspiring because I'm I'm the opposite of that but <laughs> but what um, what's one thing that most people don't know about you that you wish they did man that is an interesting question wow oh, man I would say my my number one the number one goal um, for me and my heart is to be totally sold out to Jesus 24 seven. And a lot of people don't know that. And it's probably, it's my biggest struggle. I mean, especially being in a ministry, like my, but, but that's my heart and everything that I speak, I would love to, my friends get upset, but I would love to be able to speak words of just edification. I, Cause I'm sometimes very witty and every once in a while I say something that's kind of cutting, but I, my heart is honestly, I would love to lift people up wherever I go. Um, and so, well, for the first final four question, if you were to have dinner, anyone alive or dead, three other representatives at your dinner table of four, you're in one chair, other three, 
Who would you want to have dinner with and why? Alive or dead? All right. Uh, first one is Jesus. Even though I get to talk to him every day through prayer, um, it would be Jesus. Yeah. There's so many questions that I would like some clarification on things and want to know things I've done well and what I need to do better at. And if you could kind of tell me if there's things I'm missing out on, I'd really like to know so I could get moving on those, right? Makes mm. sense. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, my second person is Jennifer Aniston. Um, I think she is just such a, a classy, she's a celebrity, of course, right? But anytime she plays a character, I mean, I watch her on the morning show, I watched her on Friends, I, and the way she carries herself, uh, she just seems like such a classy lady. Um, mm. She's in great shape. Um, she's mm. aged very well. Like, there's just a lot of things that I'm like, gosh, she seems like a really genuine, neat person. So I would love to have dinner with her. Okay. Uh, right. And then the third one is Tony Robbins. So I've gone through ah. his coaching programs. I've had some amazing coaches. Um, through his programs. I've gone to his um, Unleash the Power. Just a neat guy. I believe I could probably in that one hour or however long that dinner lasts, get a ton of information and really yeah. just be on the next level, right? So yeah. I, it would be just neat to meet him in person and have that opportunity with him. Here's my question for you. What's been your greatest success? My greatest success is that I didn't give up. Mm. Oh, I like that. That I'm here... And I, I feel like I, I really feel, and this is my friend Jennifer that was on your show. Um, she says, make the rest of your life the best of your life. And I feel like that's where I'm at. For a long time, I felt like I had missed out. And I'm like, I'm 43 years old. I wasted my best years. And I believe it is the best is yet to come. And I am excited for it. Well, we're, we're considerably older than that by a decade plus, so you've got so much more life to live. So don't worry about that. you got the best is yet to come, and you got a lot of life left. You ain't even hit the bell curve of life at the midpoint when you're under 50, so don't worry about but, but it. But that said, you've lived more life than most, <laughs> which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Yeah. Well, so here's something. There's over 7 billion people on the planet. Each of us have a superpower. The, the Hulk has his strength. Superman flies. Wonder Woman has an invisible plane. Out of the 7 billion people, what is uniquely Lisa? What is your superpower that Jesus only gave you and nobody else on the planet? What's your superpower? I believe my superpower is hacking. And I, I mean, clearly, clearly <laughs> I mean, it can be for, I have people, it's so funny. Did you ever watch the show Ray Donovan? Like he's like the fixer, yeah. right? I have people yeah. that literally will call me for just about anything. Like, can you fix my computer network? Can you clean up this weird stain that we're not sure? You know, like it could be anything. Can you problem solve it? I had somebody, I was working with a client the other day and she's like, we haven't been able to get this door open. There's something jammed and we're just going to cut it. And I was like, let me see. I'm going to pretend there's a million dollars back there and I'm going to help you get it. Two minutes, we had the door off. She goes, we've been trying for months to get that door off. So I, I wow. do leave it. And with people, it's getting to the root of their issues, right? I mean, that's a form of hacking is hacking, hacking, hacking your healing, right? Like mm. that's something that is just, it's one of the most beautiful things is helping people with that ability. With, with your experience and ability to do software and coding and doing it most of your life, how does, what's your comment on AI? Is it, some people fear it, some people embrace it. Artificial intelligence, is it a new paradigm? Is the world as we know it over? From a, someone who's on the inside, from a the person who knows code, who writes code, what do you see it as, or from your perspective as a I love AI. I find it to be very helpful, especially with my schedule. I mean, I use it for a lot of different applications. Um, I mean, like your Calum Calumly, you know, all of that yeah. stuff, like mm -hmm. your yeah. alarms, your Siri, everything on your phones, 
is AI. Like we've been using it for a really long time and it's just gotten more advanced. That The only thing that um, I guess concerns me about AI is people overly using it, especially like um, going through college and stuff like that. And okay, I'm like, I wanted to speak since I stole my I was going to say, Lisa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but technically, I did learn the material. I did learn okay. how to answer the question. Okay, I understand. Okay. <laughs> but for, yeah, for, for people that aren't actually learning, that's the scary thing is if you're using AI and you're becoming a doctor or you're somehow using that to write your papers or and you're not actually learning, the scary thing is who's going to program the AI later on? Like who's going to be left when something breaks yeah. and the other generations don't necessarily know how to fix it because they used it to get ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fair. fair. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know you have a book coming out. If I'm, if I'm correct, it's not an autobiography. Is that right? No. So I wanted to do an autobiography, but my publisher said, no, people want to gain something. Like, what are you going to help people? And so I said, okay. So what I did is I have written, it's, um, I think it's 18 or 19 chapters and it tells my story. So it tells some more details because there's some other really interesting parts of my story. Uh, but I talk about um, where where I made vows, like whatever it takes early on and how living to those vows and how people accidentally make vows. And it actually locks you in a bondage in your life. Like I'll never be like my brother or my mom. And then you end up, wow, that person turned out just like them in that vow. you know. Mm. So I talk about vows. I talk about how to break off of the vows and fix the belief because there's an underlying belief with those. I go into inner healing, how inner healing got to the root of where my rejection came in, the lying. So I tell mm. my story as I, sh- I show how those got revealed with um, a process. And I took inner healing, and that's another part of my book I'm trying to rewrite right now, is I took the regular inner healing that I had learned, and I was like, gosh, when I teach this, it took me years to get it. And I was like, I want people to learn it when I'm speaking. And I said, so I formulated a process. It's five steps. I call it the grace process, Mm. where G is for go, go to a memory. R, in that memory, you release forgiveness. A, you acknowledge the lie. C, you confirm the truth. Because usually the lie is because it was at that time, right? You were in it and it was your perception of what happened. But it's not necessarily what actually happened. So with C, we confirm the truth. We look at the facts of, oh, this is actually what was happening, not my perception. And when you can take those truths and those facts and apply it, E, you experience healing. So that's the, the goal of the book is for people to be able to get to the root and do their own inner healing and start learning, hey, I can do this on my own. And, you know, I invite Jesus, Holy Spirit, or wherever your beliefs are, you can go through that process. And then the last step is there's a, a little piece of breaking off strongholds. I love that. I love that. So for the, for the final question, I'm going to pivot a bit. Um, both Smile and I touched on at the very beginning here that your story could easily, and I'm certain, we're not the first ones that have said this. It could be a movie, right? If it were, what would the title be? And who would star as you? Okay. <laughs> I love this question because it's one that I've thought about since 2007, the first time I got in trouble. Okay. I come up with a title though. But I have a cast list with all my friends. They're like, we want so-and-so to play us. And so for me, I, uh, I grew up watching Saved by the Bell. Okay. And so mm-hmm. I love Tiffany Amber Thies and I'm like, she yes. can play me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that okay. would be she'd be my, my like top choice. Uh, okay. to play my okay. uh but um gosh, I don't know what I would call the movie. Because a lot of times people refer to my story as catch me if you can. Yeah, it's like better that. than that though. I feel like it's better than that. Well, because one, me it's too. a woman who started in the fourth grade 
I think that guy in a man's world, yeah, it's kind of, you know, the story is so believable and so boring and so, you know, having a, a woman starting in the, in the fourth grade as a girl who isn't, I, I wouldn't say you're devious. I think you probably just had a lot of intelligence, right? And you're really creative in how you used it, right? That, that, that's my takeaway. Now, the, the criminal aspect of it all, of course, we can all agree, you know, we don't... <laughs> That, that's that's more than, than devious, but yeah. So the the, the title though, what, what, what do you think? Catch me if you can. Or something different. I don't know. I mean, uh, the one that the the phrase that always always stuck with me is the one I shared with you that the pastors had shared was what Satan used to uh, to eliminate me. God will use to elevate me. That's um, not like a super catchy, compelling title, but it would be something along those lines of yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I made it out of the. I don't know. I made it out. <laughs> I made it out. Okay. Okay. You had uh, pain as a, a portal for power, for his power, but I was thinking transformations because there were maybe uh, devious transformations because you went from, there's so many stories that you shared that we could have a podcast on its own. Just going through the transformation mm -hmm. of being the little girl that was large and now she's a fitness expert. And then the person who had these technical skills and even like you just said, Although you cheated, you you knew the content. You just wanted the highest grade. So now you have someone who's an electrical Elon Musk type with the software. Because that's like, I think you started coding before Steve Jobs, even Bill Gates. If you started at four, you set the record prior to those two. <laughs> so it's more like technical transformations with talent. So that catches me with the cat. If you can, I think with the movie, he was an imposter. He didn't do anything. Yeah. He just assumed yeah. he, to do he everything. He wasn't smart. Whereas he was just like kid. crafty. You, yeah. 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 He was crafty. Whereas you got skills. Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. talent. It's so, a, it took effort like to do what you did. Yeah. <laughs> As you say that, uh, one of the things that's been on my heart, and um, I'm working on this with a group of people right now, is when I get to share and I get to speak from stage, I always want to encourage people to get healing, right? I say mm. hurt people, hurt people. That's right. What if we could right. start a movement with healed people, heal people? So uh, her and I, maybe this would be the title of my movie is we came up with and got the domain for, um, let's see, it's, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember it. That's not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> heal people. It's heal, heal, um, revive, thrive. I love it. Heal, revive, thrive. I like it. Wow, Lisa, this has been absolutely exponentially fantastic. I mean, like I said, when I look at my pre-notes before the podcast and when I've captured, this has just been amazing. Your story has just uplifted me, and I'm so inspired by you and what you're doing and who you're helping. And I'm so glad you spoke on our podcast and so elated that you're your story is going to be shared among our listeners. So thank you very much for sharing your authenticity. That's what it is. Sharing your authenticity with us today. Thank you. And just to add to that, um, I wish you nothing but success going forward. I hope fit to exist becomes worldwide and you have more clients that you know what to do with. Um, your story, like Smiley just said, is is compelling. It's exciting. It's. Uh, I look forward to reading the book. I look forward to watching the movie. Um, and hope, oh, hopefully we can have you back on when those two come out. That would be great. Thank you both for having me. It was a pleasure and an honor to be here. All right. 